Hi, I'm Jennifer. And I'm Matt. This podcast is your regular dose of uplifting, inspiring, and motivating life changing tips and success strategies to help you create the wealth, health, lifestyle, passion, and prosperity for your own life that you want to create. Welcome to the Prosperity Project. Welcome to episode 21, six things about money they just don't teach you at school. Matthew, how was your week? <laughs> well, he's been excellent. The kids are at school. We went Ironically, but at school. <laughs> we went on a trip, which we made a video about, which is on the Kempson house. Yes. So we had a little break away, which was quite nice. But otherwise, it's life as normal, which yeah, is actually really good. I know, it's nice when the kids are at school. We've got one week left up here in Scotland before they go in half term, or October week it's called. So yeah, the kids will be back with us, obviously, full time next week. But we managed to get away for a couple of days. We took the kids out of school. Um, just it, We actually went with our extended family. So that was really super. In different accommodation, though, let me just clarify, we weren't all together in one place. But it was really nice. We went somewhere in Scotland. We were swimming, and I did some archery, and... And a pellet shooting, I think it was. It was basically all the stuff that I shouldn't be allowed near. <laughs> you did it right then, No, it was you? really super fun. And the kids had great fun with their cousins and my mum and dad and things. So it was a really lovely trip. And anything like that, I suppose it gives you an opportunity to slow down. But the nice thing looking back on our days is actually life kind of feels like that anyway. We have a lot of control and flexibility over our daily living. But I still work from home. I've worked you know, from home for a number of years and especially right now um, with lockdown still kind of in restrictions. But a lot of the day we do have some flexibility. You know, if I want to take my lunch at a certain time, I will. If I want to go for a walk instead of a break, that kind of things. Um, so it was just nice to not feel like uh, a holiday was an escapism and I think that's something we're very like keen on people getting to a stage in life where actually your days aren't just waiting for the weekend or just waiting for the next holiday to come about. So today we wanted to talk to you about money. Now you're the, good at money aren't you? I'm allegedly. Well, <laughs> I did you, not too badly with us haven't I? I've done not too badly. you seem to, I think you talk about money somewhere else <laughs> yeah i have a youtube channel all about money channel? i do is that online? Do. it's online on the world wide web on the web if you search for mama farfar you know you'll find me there my face on most topics to do with money you type it in youtube you get my face okay so money what are we talking about <laughs> well as i said the title was and we felt really strongly inclined this week to talk about money particularly money concepts that we have learned since leaving school that we wish they would teach. So this is kind of looking back and thinking about what are actually the nuggets of information that we should understand about money. And the reason I say this, actually, I was on Instagram this morning. I pretty much post a couple of times a week. It's usually infographic style I'm doing at the moment, a little bit about daily life, but it's always like conversation starters. So one of my posts this week was about things to do in your 20s. And my tone for anything to do with money, I do not fall into the camp where, you know, if you have debt, it's evil, it's bad, you're bad, you must eat rice and peas to get out of it. I believe that actually it's goals and habits that drive your success with everything, money, health, happiness, your job, your family, and so if you've picked up debt, either through choice or just maybe a little bit of ignorance, I'm okay with you having that. But once you've gained knowledge that is better, it's then your responsibility to do something with that knowledge. But the summary was that somebody got a little bit triggered with my post because I said, look, you in your 20s, travel as much as you can. Also get, invest as early as you can. So that's a great thing to do. And then also we 
work on your communication skills. Now, out of all three of those, it was actually the point about traveling that triggered this person. And I'm not going to give them the limelight of a whole podcast episode, but the summary was for them, this was the main reason people telling people to go travel and spend their money was the reason that so many people were in debt in their 20s and 30s. And I completely disagree with that. And, you know, the thing that I I tried to suggest was actually that it's lifestyle choices rather than these one-off events. My whole thing was assuming that people actually would travel or invest if they have surplus money. So the whole point being, you might not have kids in your 20s yet. You might not have a partner that you're living with. You also might not be in that position where you're working your way up a corporate ladder. And And if you're low enough down the ladder then traveling either just on some extra holidays or maybe even taking a year or two off and traveling, depending on what works best for you, isn't really going to set you back too much. You're generally not tied down to a bunch of responsibilities. A lot of people are in positions where they're either, especially in the 20s, still either living with their parents Mm. or maybe moving into renting rather than buying. So you're in the prime position to... I, I guess just be a little bit more carefree. Yeah. And if you can't do it then, then a lot of people are waiting till retirement. Exactly. And that was kind of my point. Some people with won't it. make it there. And also some people by the time they get to retirement won't be in a health position where mm. they can enjoy it. So why not take advantage of stuff when you can? And that was, I think, more the point. Like A lot of people, when they look on their life, when they get a family, it's not as easy to do some of these things. The whole point was like, use your money however you feel inspired. Now, travel as much as you can could have meant going one place every five years. Like There was no definition that was like, all right, go every weekend and run up credit cards. But it's funny how things trigger people, particularly spending money. So as we say, we're going to talk about six things about money. They don't teach you at school and the first thing I'm going to suggest for you off the back of that that just reminded me even more strongly today is managing money as a system being a resource rather than something that controls you. Now, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. It's one of the fundamentals of prosperity. You need money to survive. I'm sorry. I would love to be able to be a farmer, uh, you know, grow my own veg, have my own animals, all that. But you need other people to survive. Well, even if you can be a farmer, you're not really going to be able to trade a cow for some fiber broadband. (laughs) No, exactly. So you need money. Whether or not you agree with it, you need money. And we've grown we're not really thinking or believing from our parents and society that money defines what you do with your life. So going back to the Instagram kind of thing, it was like, you shouldn't do anything with your money other than save you know, it's the lack mindset. We touch upon this so much. It's there's only a certain amount. I keep it. If you do anything other than not spend it, you're stupid. And it is strong. It's it's like a hierarchy thing. Like I'm more superior because I don't spend any form of money on anything well, I, fun. I, I think that there's two kind of areas when you're looking at money. Either is the competition of I earn more than you, mm. and Often, if you're not one of those people that is a significantly high earner, Mm. then the only other way you can compete is how much of my money am I able to avoid spending? Right, yeah. So those are the two kind of scales you can be on, Mm. the two areas that you can compete in. And because less people can compete in that area of how much I earn, then it's a competition for how little you can spend. But (laughs) in my head... A lot of that goes to how little you can enjoy your life now as well, Mm. which if you're restricting so much, then 
I, I just think, what are you living for today? You need to be well, able to live balance, your todays yeah. as well as prepare yourself to enjoy tomorrow mm. and I think it, as I say it's what you do with the money so it's the habits and systems so for example whether you earn £10,000 a year or £2 million a year obviously depending on how much you earn the percentage of them what you're saving and spending is all relative hopefully like if you earn £2 million but you can actually live off 10000 well my hope is with the, with the rest of the money actually your habits are also good if you can live off that small amount relatively then also I'd love to see that you're investing that you're giving to others you're doing really great things with your money and so for that I would say that sometimes we get lost and we're kind of grown up with the sense of it was how much you earn and then as you say kind of holding on to it as tightly as possible what we should be learning actually is what are the habits with our money and I go right back to one of the reasons I kind of devised a money system for us and share it with other people it doesn't go down to this is how much money and exact amount you need to be investing or putting into your pension or you're just not worth it you're not going to be a millionaire when you retire you're not going to be financially free and hit your fire number no it all goes back I think goes back to the percentage and the reason is it's then a habit that you can earn £10,000 I can earn £2 million or whatever but we're doing the same habits we're going to have an amplification of those habits based on how much we earn but we're still fundamentally using the same habits and obviously if you're using a percentage then as your income grows over the mm. course of your it's career, all relative then the amounts of money that go into these different areas also mm. increases absolutely so the money that you spend on giving or fun money or dare i say using that to travel you know you are allowed guilt-free money so let me quickly run through what i would suggest you kind of deep dive in off the back of this podcast look at developing a system with your money that engages the habits that you want long term so if you're someone who does want to travel or does want to own your own home or if you do want to give to your favorite charity your religious organization you want to pay off debt show me in your budget every single month a percentage towards that goal and that means as you grow and develop your talents and services then the money you will see quickly add up but also you know that a portion of your money is going to it without fail the problem that so many kids struggle nowadays coming out of school and then managing money is because as adults I hate to see it what we do is we give them money and then we encourage them to spend it usually most of the time that's it very few occasions do parents say well actually there's a certain amount of money you know I love you that's your pocket money you you, you know you've done something good or whatever birthday Christmas whatever but actually we're going to save a bit we're going to invest and we're going to give and then all the rest all the rest that's left over yes you can spend and that's the philosophy it shouldn't be this is an afterthought then from a very young age they're in the system of well when the money's physically there I'm dividing it up up to actually what matters for me so as you mentioned at the start of this point money is just a resource it's just a facilitator for you to do things so when you're younger you often think to yourself oh when I get older I'd love to be rich mm. and people still think that now I mean I'd <laughs> love to be rich but what you need to say to yourself is well what why? is what is rich though but what is rich but also why do I want to be rich like rich can be different amounts of money for different people but why? Because often you'll find that 
being rich actually isn't what you want. A lot of people, the freedom of time. people want either to quit their day job, mm. to be able to do a different type of activity with their days, mm. or they want to be able to go on more trips, or they want to be able to have a particular house, a particular vehicle, whatever it happens to yep. be. And you'll often find that being rich actually isn't the only barrier of entry for these things. Absolutely. And you can achieve them without achieving this definition of rich that you have in your head mm. and that's where you need to see money as a resource it can enable certain things mm. but also you don't need these lottery amounts mm. in order to facilitate those things things can happen a lot easier than you realize mm. once you deep dive into what it is you actually the want why to achieve. absolutely absolutely and the second thing that i think they should be teaching in schools especially off the back of what matt has just discussed is that in life you have a full array of tools and resources to survive, but not just survive, thrive. So I think that the school system is really set up that you learn that money is useful because you can get stuff or you know your value will be determined by the amount of wage or the degree you have. But when you actually use a combination of everything, your time, your expertise, that's truly what will allow you to thrive. And off the back of that as well, when we come out of school, we're taught basically that you sell your time for money. That's the only way that you can get it. And the actual fact is, it's actually the amount of value you put into that time that will drive the wage you get. Let me explain. So even if you're someone who's working in a shop or you have a, you know, a cost per hour, you get a wage per hour, even going and delivering Amazon Flex, you get on average, you know, you'll earn about 13 to 15 pounds an hour, let's say. Although they tell you it's per hour, it's actually not that, you know, it's actually the value that you're you're delivering for that hour of block. So obviously, like, for example, if you're a doctor, because of the amount of people you can help in an hour, your value is higher. That's why you get a higher wage, which results in a higher, you know, hourly rate. But the moment that we learn that actually the skills and the talent that you put into your time that is actually where your value comes along. Now, I often say like, there's a, I think there's a Tony Robbins quote, or I can't remember if it was Jim Rohn before, but there is basically a situation where a guy comes along and there's a water leak. And so the company, you know, phone up the expert and they get the expert to come out and the guy comes out and he looks around the water tank. He's found where the, the problem is. He goes up to it and it's actually like a rusty nail or something. I'm, I'm using description as best I can. It's a rusty nail. So the guy goes up to it, he looks at it, he gets out this small, little range and he turns it and it stops and the guy gives him the bill and the bill says ten thousand pounds and the guy goes what you were only here for five minutes and you fixed the leak that's ridiculous i'm not giving you ten thousand pounds and when he looks at the item lines it is um time to find the exact point like nine thousand pounds um, spanner to turn it one th uh, 999 you know it's all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. knowing where it is exactly you know so the actual cost was that guy knowing how to fix it not for the actual turning of the lever it was knowing the exact point the exact screw to turn to make the leak come off i hope i've explained that right well <laughs> if you look at it from a different point of view you could employ someone cheaper to do that and they could come out 
and they could basically a blue tack all of it they could they could fix the problem temporarily mm. but actually they haven't come up with the right solution because they don't have the experience and the knowledge to exactly learn you want the job the done do and you, you want, want it job, done right the job done properly and it's the same as if you were to go and um go on somewhere like five or wherever mm. or even on etsy and ask someone to commission a piece of artwork yeah for yeah you. i've seen this one with the tattoos it's similar yeah, or, or tattoos whatever it happens to be I guarantee you, if you say to someone, paint a picture of me or my pet, and you went for the cheapest you could find, and then you went to someone that was, um, let's say, 20 times more expensive, mm. the difference in quality would be incredible. And then mm. if you ramp it up again, the difference in quality is incredible. So therefore, you're not paying that individual for... For their time. You're, you're, you're paying them for the experience and the skill they have. You're not paying them for specifically the, the, the amount of paint they've used. Exactly. Because exactly. the amount of paint that the person has used and potentially the amount of time is the same. It's the skill level. And and that's the thing we're getting at here. If you have more skill, mm. more talent, you've um, either put more time into your education, your skills, your knowledge, or you happen to be naturally talented in something, mm. then the whole point is to try to get paid what you're worth. And Absolutely. therefore it's not about how much paint you've used or how much time you spent on that painting, but how good you are. Exactly, that's what will determine your worth. It's your value in the marketplace. So that's something I think is hugely missing. And I think you only realize that actually through the culture of learning about passive income, multiple incomes, you realize I can get paid without doing everything in real time as well and even the case of like if you're a painter you can produce that one time but actually you could go on and sell copies of it so actually not just your time making it but then your time then can be multiplied as well so we don't just say well you need to create that painting every single time for me to pay you the right price no you're paying to be part of that value in that one time exercise and I, I think this is the greatest lesson if you realize that you can have your talents and skills and get paid without giving up your time it's a game changer yep if you can make a product or a service that you can put the effort into once and then it can be sold many times. So often digital products will allow that, but it can be artwork where you then sell the prints of it. Um, there's lots of people that want different types of artwork for like children's nurseries. You mm. find that often when people have first child, they want to decorate their room in a certain <laughs> way. So if you can produce something really good, gift cards, all kinds of stuff, you put the effort in once to the creation, and then it's just a matter of churning out the prints as many times people want to buy it. And that that as well as if you're producing online content you record once yes exactly and however many thousands or millions of people can watch that video that you did one time mm. and that's i think where the greatest value for your time to pound coming in the door mm. works best but the good thing is for the person who's creating it it's absolutely okay and it's right that you should be able to create something once put your best effort and then keep getting value to the marketplace and that comes into the third point that i really wish they would teach in school i never learned about it i don't know if you did growing up but compound interest and compound power did you learn about that at all no in maths i learned about letters <laughs> being in there when there should be numbers no that's very important don't belittle if, that <laughs> you, know, you know what that's less important than compound interest um, yes, I'll agree. So this is another concept. I, the first time I heard about compound interest and compound effect, 
literally was probably about five or six years ago picking up my first financial knowledge book, Personal Finance. Why the devil did it take me so long to find out about this wonderful, Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world, although I think that's a misquote, but he basically said, or the, the quote is that he said it was remarkable, this power that's there with time and your effort. So if you don't know what compound interest is or compound power, it's basically that any effort you put in, or we'll deal with money, it's usually used with money, but the amount that you deposit in, you then would receive interest on top, okay? So interest on top is usually from the bank or the building society, and it's kind of like a share of the profits when they're lending out your money in the background. So let's say you put your money in £100 and you get 5% interest year on year. So with that, then your £100 after a year has become £105. Now, traditional linear interest would mean that you would keep only earning £5 because it would be based on what you deposited only compound interest is where your interest then also earns interest every single year so that means that over time the longer you leave it if you keep adding to it or even if you don't your interest the bit that's added on for a thank you then makes money for you as well and that keeps growing and growing and growing it's this little concept that basically if it was taught at school everyone could be and should be financially free with it so, considering that you did maths to a pretty good level, definitely I did, I did better. I did it to university level, all the way through, university all the way through, five years. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't do maths for very long at all because, yeah, it got a little bit too busy for me. I've got the equivalent of an A level, basically, at school level. So, I've got advanced higher, which so, back in the day was six So, the year. fact that you didn't know this concept and mm. you've done maths to a, a pretty good level Absolutely. means that there's so many people missing it. And, and you're right, you're making money off of the money you've already made. Exactly. It's basically the free cash, technically, that you're getting, <laughs> then is earning more cash It's for off you. making money as well. So <laughs> that means that your £100 then goes to £105, which then goes to one hundred and ten fifty, and keeps going up and keeps going up, and, and it just keeps multiplying. Yes. And then what happens is, after a few years, the interest you earn is more than the original amount you put in. So Absolutely. one year you're randomly getting in 100-odd pounds of earned money With off of the £100 pound that you originally put in. It's crazy and it exactly. just keeps going and going. And this is one of the key concepts that drives financial freedom, financial independence. So this little magic increase that keeps adding more and more money is then something that if you leave your money long enough, you could actually withdraw as, an um, as a payment, as an income. And of course, that means that the interest that you make every year could be sizable enough that when you withdraw it, it then tops up again the next year. So that's the whole point of the FIRE concept, financial independence, retire early. So that means that at some point you decide that you don't want the funds to build anymore. Exactly. Because you take uh, an income You from take it. like the cream of the crop off. So, so let's, say that you get, let's say that you get £2,000 out every single month available to you, right? Which is a very healthy amount. I don't Absolutely. know how much you need in there in the first place, but let's ignore that. It's about that. 600k or something. So you'd move down the line, you'd have a bunch invested. And then what you say is, right, as long as I can keep taking out £2,000 a month, I could leave my investment where it, it is. It tops up. And the great thing is it keeps getting topped up by its own function. 
and you can keep withdrawing that money. And basically for the rest of your life, you do not need to work exactly. or earn any money because it's earning the money itself. Absolutely. It's paying for itself. So, and that's the concept that applies to most bank accounts. And also we use the concept when we're talking about investments. Now, obviously with investments, there's no guarantee on the rate of return, that percentage increase. But generally, if you're picking right and you're leaving long enough, you will see consistently about four to 8% year new growth. But obviously that's based on what you're picking and your risk tolerance. Okay, so how much money could I get? What do you mean, how much money could you get? How much money could I get? Like, if they taught this in school. <laughs> All right, you want numbers. Much, yeah. Right, let's give an example. Give me if, a good example, because I want to be rich. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, okay, so let's say the first opportunity that you could open an investment ISA or a pension, right, when you're 18. Well, actually, you can open a pension from birth, but let's ignore that. So if you open an investment ISA or a self-employed, you know, a private pension at age 18, you would only have to contribute about 90 to 130 pounds per month until you were 65 to have well over a million pounds if you were able to get about five to seven or eight percent year on year growth on average. So a million pounds in my pocket. Yep, with about just, just 90 for about 100 pound a month. Exactly. Now the problem is that people don't start young, and so by the time we get to our 30s or 40s, then we're like, oh, holy crap! I need an income. I don't want to work for this. I do want a pension. I do want additional incomes. When you leave it that long, let's say age 30, do you know it goes up to say 120 or 130 pounds? It goes closer to about one and a half thousand pounds that you would have to put in to achieve over a million pounds in savings at 65. And that there is the power of that's compound, compound interest. interest and that's compound why they need power. to teach it in school that's why if you have children educating them on putting money by into savings Absolutely. or into pension funds as early as possible yeah it's a deal breaker you, you give yourself the most amount of years for it to multiply up off of its own earnings absolutely and there's something that i'm quite passionate about so it's not just financial independence retire stop everything if you actually followed the same concept and from 18 to 30 committed to putting money away from the age of 30 you could probably quite comfortably work part-time or dare i say even choose to work in starbucks or costa and just cover your living expenses well, you could and do you a would passion still project. yeah you, you exactly could sit back and, and let's say you wanted to do some kind of woodworking or something just less lucrative than potentially going up the basically um, you're paying ladder. your bills and not worrying about your investment yeah. but using the same concept you could then retire at age 65 with a full income the way you had it when you were working full-time because you've added to it while you were young then you only covered your bills so you didn't invest that length of time you then leave it to 65 again you allow the pot to grow to well over a million pounds so if there's anything if you're an adult listening please do a couple of things for me. Find out about compound interest. Find out about compound effect because it applies to everything, not just money. It's also like if you want to improve your body, every time you show up, guess what happens? It compounds. The actions get easier. It gets more impact in your body. So also what you need to say to yourself is, yes, you potentially listening to this and missed out on doing it when you're 18. So therefore, in order to get to a massive sum of money when you retire, you've got to put in more. But the other side is forget the massive amount of money. Think about what you can put in and do it today because compound interest ultimately rewards the length of time that it's invested for. And if you leave it a couple of years, then that's a couple of years of interest that you're not earning, a couple of years of progress that your money could be 
building itself up to be even more than it was when you started. So the best time to start is when you're 18. Otherwise, just right now. Do <laughs> yeah, something exactly. today. You've listened to this podcast. Even pause us now. Come back. Definitely come <laughs> Open back. Open investment. I start a pinch. Go, on you go. Have a quick look. Open up something and just set yourself up a monthly payment that you can afford yes. and get that moving because it really does make a difference. Absolutely. It's changed our life. So the fourth thing that they don't teach in schools, learning the difference between an asset and a liability. Here's the summary. Here's the cliff notes. Buy assets. Don't buy liabilities. <laughs> okay, well, what's a liability? So a liability is anything where you buy it and it decreases in value over time. So your classic examples would be um, a car, your mobile phone, most of your clothes, most of the things actually you buy around the house decrease in value if you are not a first-time owner. So anything where the resale value will go down. Um, assets on the flip side are things that you buy, but the value, the trading value of it will go up hopefully over time. So traditionally, people have included their houses in that. I know that's obviously a bit controversial. Is it a liability? Is it an asset? We'll go with it being an asset right now. So if you buy it for one price, hopefully you would stick around long enough that actually you could add some money to it. Assets would also be financial assets. So any stocks and shares, you buy them in the hope that you make money that they're going to be worth more long term. So yeah, it is quite an easy definition. If you buy something today, and in a year's time, it's going to be worth less than that, guaranteed, mm. then it's a liability. If it's going to be worth more or likely to be worth more in a year's time, even if it's only a very tiny amount, then it will be an asset. Absolutely. And obviously an asset, the longer you have it, the more it's likely to be worth at that point in time. Yeah. And a liability will keep going down the drain until it's worth very little. Absolutely. So if you bought the first iPhone that came out, <laughs> I know it wasn't the same price as iPhones are nowadays. No, not hardly. Um, but you spent £500 on that first iPhone mm. when it came out. Actually, I think it was more like 400 But I guarantee you today, unless you've got it in pristine mint <laughs> condition, it's not going to be worth very much at all. I it's going to be yeah. worth probably about £50. Exactly. Maybe even less than that. So therefore, over the course of time, it basically ends up being worth nothing at all. And the same as you might have some nice clothes in the wardrobe that you bought multiple years ago but you probably got to a point where they've been worn and washed and everything yep. else and again you couldn't sell them for anything charity shop wouldn't take it <laughs> so therefore it's a liability it's not worth anything it doesn't mean you shouldn't have liabilities but you've got to be aware of what that is and what absolutely it means. and you shouldn't also let the money resale value drive your decisions so it's worth balance right i think with assets what I do is classify what are you spending your money on that has value? So that's the main point of that. It's not, again, that we don't have any liabilities and because otherwise you wouldn't have a car. Otherwise you wouldn't have a bike. Otherwise you wouldn't have a mobile phone. If you're like, that thing is costing me money the longer I, I keep it. The choice then is I actually think about particularly making choices where money taken away from you, but also are you really getting the value? So for example, controversial point, the education, like I got my education in Scotland, my degree, I didn't have to pay for it because, you know, the Scottish government used the funds that they get from all over the country. And that's one area that they use as they pay for education for Scottish residents, first degree. However, you know, my Scottish taxpayer money equally goes down south and then it's given to universities and colleges and all that as well. So, you know, there's always balance and choices, but you, you would have to think, OK, if I'm going to put out for that education, that degree, 
Am I going to truly see value in it? Is it going to bring me the benefits that I think it's going to get? The same with a car. Um, you know, we decided to pay out our cars completely. We own them. We don't pay a monthly amount. They're ours. I know that they're decreasing in value. And that's why I think we've always been the type of people who don't get you know, runarounds, but we've got that kind of nice, even playing field where it's something we know is reliable, but it's also not going to eat money if anything did happen to it. It's a balance because it, it was very important to us to own it without it being a cost every month. And so the other decision that links into that is if you're focusing on assets, putting money in your pocket, please don't add to your debt. So don't make choices getting bad consumer debt. Oh, I've said the word bad and I'm going to talk about that later. I didn't mean that. But you know, if you're making bad choices with your money that you're adding to expensive debt, not a mortgage, obviously that can be expensive, but you know, things where I just want the phone, so I'm going to put it on a credit card for, you know, 19% APR. Those kind of choices that you know you're not going to enjoy five, 10 years down the line. It's those choices that really make a difference. I'm all for buying, you know, the latest and greatest things but truly make sure it adds value to your life and also make sure that you're in a position where you can not just afford it but you can afford it comfortably and it fits within your percentages of money you want to spend in different areas now you mentioned debt so let's go on to the debt point so for me and it's one of the points that we wanted to absolutely make sure we got through today is debt is just a thing it is not good or bad okay there's a lot of people out there who will preach that debt all debt is evil and bad well it's not just debt's evil or bad but if you have debt then you're a horrible human absolutely it's just it's just crazy and you know you should eat rice and peas i've heard that said a couple of times it's just crazy that it's basically like you need to suffer because you decide to take out a credit card at the age of 18 and you didn't quite factor in everything okay ignorance can get you so far but also i'm not for punishing people it's just crazy but what i do think is debt is a thing that really can take a lot of money from your pockets that you could be using for better things in life. So rather than paying off debt huge amounts every month, you could actually have a, a, a bit more money for your food money every month or paying off your mortgage. You're living there every day, you might as well own it. Or it could be a travel budget or giving. It's all about what it's taking away, the deficit it's creating in your life, not debt making you bad. I actually think it's the money that's going out of your pockets that you could be using for better uses. So obviously people rack up debt for different reasons. Mm. Sometimes just dramas and issues happen and you can't help but spend some money. Um, let's say you had your washing machine explode. Yes. Or maybe there's a death somewhere and it just needs to be dealt with and you don't have the means to deal with it at the time. And that's always a challenge to resolve. Mm, but mm. I think you'll find that a lot of people when they end up in debt is because they look for that instant gratification yes. rather than looking at the long-term value of that and the better choices for them in future. Now, as you said, debt in itself isn't bad or good or anything. It's just a means to basically get stuff without having the money. So for most people, they have a debt in the way of a mortgage. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people have a debt in the way of a car payment mm -hmm. because people People generally don't want to spend 20, 30, 50, whatever thousand pounds on a car or multiple hundred thousands. They don't have it in their pocket yep. to be able to deal with. But in my mind, the difference between good debt and bad debt mm. is, first of all, how much interest are you paying? Absolutely. Because 
really you should be trying to make your debt accrue as little interest as possible mm -hmm. now normally with a mortgage you're looking at rates anywhere now at the moment anywhere between about one and a half percent and five percent is generally a not too bad deal you can potentially definitely steer away from five percent and go lower if you're on one of these fixed term things um car debt Often they've got you in at about seven or eight percent, yep, which yep. is a little bit higher than I would like personally. Um, but it depends on what kind of deal you're on. So if you're on a higher purchase deal, which means you're paying off the car over a set period of time and then you own the car, mm. in my mind, you're better off going to pick up a loan from a bank, which you can get at somewhere around four percent. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. significantly cheaper. You still own the car, actually, you own the car on day one, yep, but you um, owe the bank money. But it's a cheaper way. Um, your monthly payments will be less than if you were to go through the car dealership. But a lot of people nowadays do um, the PCP type deal. Yep, where yep. you put down a deposit and then you pay off an amount and then you either give the car back at the end or you pay it off. And a lot of people basically renew the car at the end. Absolutely. You can't do that via a cheaper alternative really. So therefore you're stuck with the um, interest rates that you get from the car dealerships. Yep. They're not great compared to what a mortgage is. They're not great compared to what you can get a personal loan for but they're still not as bad as most credit cards are. Now, credit cards, generally, their rates are something like 18.9 or 19.9% .9 as a standard. And then depending on whether you have a better credit rating or not, they can go up to uh, the worst I ever had on a card, which mm. I never paid interest on, was about 35%. Whoa. So <laughs> that's crazy. I know. And there are people out there that Did you have... think you didn't think that was good, right? No, I didn't think it was good. I got a letter saying that your credit card um, interest rate is going up to 35%. Wow. So I moved the debt from yeah, there yeah, yeah, to exactly. somewhere else. Wow. But the point is that there are people out there right now, potentially some of you listening, who have money on a credit card and maybe you don't know what the interest rate mm. is. But if you go and have a look at it, you might find that it's at 25, 35% or something like mm. that. And that is a lot of money. What that means is that the money that you're sending to pay that minimum payment each yep. month, a majority of it, I remember I was um, on something like a 20% card yeah. and I was paying maybe a hundred pounds a month as a minimum wow. payment, yep. which was quite a lot. But I think I was only making five pound of progress. <gasps> oh, it's crazy. And that's at that rate, let alone, I can't even imagine what the, I can't calculate what the 35% would be on the top of my wow. head. So although no debt is bad inherently because ultimately if you're earning enough money mm. you can pay off that debt and you can still live your life and it's no big deal when your money's still flowing mm. then it's not hurting you yeah. so it doesn't become bad it just probably becomes a bit stupid if you can <laughs> afford to pay it off quite quickly but i think that there are better types of debt mm. and my advice would be coming from an area where i had debt in places where the interest rates were higher try to get your debt to a place where you're on the lowest interest rate possible. Absolutely. But also avoid the mistake that I made, which is don't say to yourself, let's say I've got three credit cards at 20% each. And what I'm going to do is get a loan to cover those and pay them off entirely. Mm. So well done. Now you don't have no credit card debt, but you have a loan and you've got a fixed term for that. So you know when it ends. Brilliant. But then your daft habits that created the credit card debt, suddenly you've got three empty credit cards. <laughs> oh, look, I fancy that new thing. So that is the mistake that a lot of people yeah. that continue to get into enhanced debt, um, myself included way back, have done. They've cleared the debt, they've freed up space on the credit cards, and rather than shut down the accounts or shut down two of the accounts and put one at a very low limit so that if your washing machine breaks, 
let's say you don't have the savings, mm. then at least you can cover that, but you're setting yourself up so you don't have much more limit than mm. that. Instead, it's very easy to build up one card and then another yeah, card. No, and then what happens is you have the same three credit cards back at a stupid point, plus you've got this loan to sort out as well. <laughs> so just gets messy. Debt is not bad habits that's with the, the habit exactly spot on spot on and i think that is the crux of it you know i don't want people to get into debt i don't think having a credit card's bad i think it, sh- it is the habit so we have credit cards but they're all paid off in full when they are used and you know that's just the nature of it we've got benefits because it's like for currency we don't need to pay in local currency we can pay on the credit card so absolutely don't add to your debt but also please don't identify debt as being the thing that's good or bad. It's your habits with the credit. Somebody basically just thought you were good enough to be given an amount of money in advance. So honor that, but don't become the borrower. It will never be in your favor, become the lender. And that brings us on to the final point that I really wish that they would teach in schools, which is we touched upon it a little bit, first of all today, but make money work for you. Learn how to make your money work for you will be the greatest gift you can do in your own life. And also teach the further generations that are watching you spend your money. So what do I mean by this? Well, we touched upon the concept of compound interest. That is where your money goes off and makes more money for you without you doing another thing. And also, the longer you leave it in that vehicle that's got compound interest, it will keep going on. It's like having basically, not just Jennifer turning up and doing YouTube videos, but having 20 YouTube channels with 20 then of me making videos all simultaneous. It's essentially what happens on YouTube when I make a video and those videos keep being watched or you keep listening to the podcast. We don't need to turn up, it just happens. And so find ways for your money to make more money. Think about ways that you can invest your money based on your risk level and your tolerance. Invest in yourself. That's one way your money can make your money, absolutely. You can invest in your skill set and the things that you do. Well, I guarantee the rate of return is limitless. Absolutely. I think that that's one of the things that a lot of people don't think of when they explore trying to make more money. Mm. Sometimes, well, Often you have to spend money or put money in certain places in order to earn more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, compound interest, as we've covered before, is an area where it can make more money. But in your education, um, giving yourself more knowledge in an area to make you either more of an authority or more in line for that promotion or change career paths if that suits you better. Mm-hmm. That investment that you make in your time and your money can reap massive rewards. Absolutely. And, you know, in lots of areas, make sure whatever you are putting your money into, see if there's a way that you can also then allow your money to make more money for you. I actually think one of the greatest concepts to understand is about the principle of giving. So we talk about it quite a lot in this podcast and in our own life. The principle of giving away money might seem crazy to some people if you're in the lack mindset. But actually, we've found ways that when we give the things that we support, that money then goes off and does things that we could never do. It it then allows other people to give up part of their life to do things that they're very talented in or outreach people or do different things that we're not skilled in. So even though you might think you're giving away your money and, oh, no, it's not doing anything for me, but the impact 
that you're doing as well with it could be incredible and change so many more lives than you realize. And then you also don't know the benefits psychologically of your mindset. When you're able to have your full budget and give away some to others, you move from a place of lack and this is all mine and I've got to keep it to then realizing what abundance you have, that there's even some to give away and share. And it really is incredible. So I hope today's podcast has been really fun for you. If you've been an adult listening, if you may be well past your school years but actually being reminded of some of these concepts or even learning them for the first time I think it would be really incredible to know how you get on down the line please do teach these concepts to your children I think these were would be some of the six best things about money that you could pass down that they're simply not learning in school and you don't learn it until you learn the hard way so if you have enjoyed the podcast, why not give it a five star yeah, review? Yeah, we'd love and that. And also, go give it a subscribe. It well, oh. subscribe. Share it with someone else. You, you, you're jumping on everything now. Right, subscribe first. Do yes. that because that's a little buttony thing that's yep, probably that's quite close to where you are right now. Then once you've done that, copy the link, go send it to someone else. Mm. Maybe but, maybe five people. Maybe somebody you do like though. Let's oh, not I, say I, that. I tell you what, this is like, you know those things you get on Facebook where it says, oh, if you share this within the first five minutes, Bill Gates will send you a million pounds. Yes. That's not going to happen. Well, that, that could happen. I don't know. So how about <laughs> we before try this it. finishes, within the first five minutes, share it with five people right. and possibly... Bill Gates might say it's very small possibility, but you know, Um, parallel universe and all that. (laughs) And then with that, we thank you for listening. Please do be sure to check out some of our other episodes. There's 20 other episodes. I say this at the end of every episode. There's many more for you to listen to. Some people have even had binge listens to our podcast. Some people have listened to the same episode more than once. I love that. That is really humbling. Thank you so much. This is a really fun part of our week together that we get to do. So thank you so much for listening, and we will speak to you very soon.